moms. We thank you for all the blessings you bestow upon us. And Lord, we look forward to studying your word this morning. Praise him in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, is where we're going to be this morning. Somebody moved my boxes, so that's what I was doing. Um, I'm just kidding. I should have told somebody. I had, I had boxes here, so the obvious thing to do would be to move them um, if you didn't hear uh, from the guy who put them there. And so, uh, anyway, that's what those boxes are for. Uh, over the next few weeks, spoiler alert, there'll be some more boxes added onto the somewhere in this vicinity. And so, do not touch my box. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, it's going to be here, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I do want to make one short plug uh, again for next week. Next week, if you uh, haven't caught note, we've been announcing it for a few weeks. We have uh, an intro to Village a class that we're going to have after the service. And so uh, that's for anybody who is, who's new or haven't necessarily uh, called uh, made Village their home. Or they're just interested, hey, how does Village operate? What, what's... what's What's next? Maybe new pastor? Like, what's gonna, what's taking place? And uh, some of uh, me and some of our elders got together and we have a, uh, a document that we're calling uh, Intro to Village. And this will essentially tell you how we operate, how we exist, who we are, and then how you can get plugged in if you choose, uh, if you choose that, that this is the right place for you. Some may walk out of that class and say, nope, this isn't the place for me. And others will, will uh, say, hey, you know, we're going to try this, investigate some more. And others will join the team and, and be a part of the family. And uh, that is for you. So that's next week. You're invited to come uh, to attend. And if you haven't, you can fill out a connection card and, and I'll touch base with you this week about it. Uh, we'll have some snacks and things. It'll be a good time uh, here in the Connect room uh, a few minutes after the service next week. Uh, Ecclesiastes, we've already introduced this book. Uh, we've introduced the life of Solomon. We've introduced uh, the book itself. And we really saw uh, who wrote it, who, is the, who, who it is about, and that's Solomon. And we, we already noted what he found, and that was emptiness apart from God. And that's what Solomon finds. And so I'm excited to dive into the next few verses this morning. Uh, we moved here a little over a month ago, and uh, we actually just bought a house last week, and so praise the Lord for that. But, yeah, yeah, we're excited, right? We're on vacation, and someone called, our realtor called and said, hey, a house you put in a couple weeks ago, uh, something fell through, and so we jumped on it. And so we didn't even have to look at another house, and the Lord blessed. And so uh, we'll be moving in here uh, in some, sometime in June, but for right now, our life's in boxes, and it seems like uh, everything's in boxes. And I thought we did a pretty good job of marking everything. Like this box goes into the house and this box goes into storage. But nonetheless, actually people would make fun of me whenever we were packing because I was packing. And I would write on all four sides of the boxes because I knew what would happen, and sure enough, this is what happened. We get to where we're going, we're staying with my parents right now, and we get there, 
and sure enough, I'm missing some things, right? That's how it always works, and I'm missing some, some boxes. And in fact, I'm not just missing a few items, I'm missing an entire box. Like, I have no jeans, no, no casual, I'm missing the entire box, and so I, I'm panicking a little bit. I go to my wife, and I'm like, hey, have you seen this box? No, I haven't seen it. And so I start uh, casually looking through the storage unit. Uh, no, can't find it, and so I'm looking everywhere. I'm going to the office because I have some boxes over at 620. I'm, I'm looking uh, in, in the trunk of my cars. I'm looking in every room in the house. I'm, I can't find this box. And so finally, my wife and I, we go out to the storage unit and we start, uh, I start just going to town and just ripping apart boxes because I'm trying to find what I've lost. And, and sure enough, as I'm going and as I start to open some boxes, my wife will say, hey, babe, that's not in there. I packed that box. You're not going to find what you're looking for in there. And so I go to the next one and I don't start to unpack it. She says, hey, that says kitchen. You're not going to find it in there. And I go to the next one and she says, Travis, you're not going to find it. It's not in there. What was she doing? Well, she wasn't necessarily helping me find what I was looking for, but she but she was showing me where I don't need to look. And that's what the book of Ecclesiastes will show us. And Solomon is struggling to find the, the purpose of life. And he's going to show us a lot of areas where we can't find it, where it will not be found. And the book of Ecclesiastes is such a heavy book because it shows us and it depicts a man who's struggling to rely on God. And we can see it and we can see the correlation and we can say, Solomon, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Get it together but so often we can leave this book and we can go out onto our lives and we can do the same exact thing. And Ecclesiastes will show us that we as Christians don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all the answers, but we can know the one who does. And we can rely and trust in the one who does have all the answers. Philip Reekin puts it this way, it's a journey, it's not a destination. And so this journey called life, and so this morning I want to try to unpack uh, verses 3 uh, all the way down through verse 11, and let's read it together this morning. The Bible says this, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes up, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which is done is that which will be done, because there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It's already been in the ancient times before us, and there's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the things that are to come by those who will come after. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into some keys to this text. Lord, Thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that it shows us the way of life, and the way of life is through a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that if anyone's in here that, that doesn't know you, Lord, may they uh, come to know you. Lord, I pray that if anyone is in here and they're struggling, Lord, may, may you give them hope. Lord, I, I thank you for mothers today. Lord, I thank you for 
the, the memories of moms and just the sacrifice of moms and the love of moms. And Lord, I thank you for uh, giving moms. And Lord, I pray for those in here that are struggling today. Maybe it's the first time without mom. Lord, just be with them and comfort them. And uh, may they cherish memories. And Lord, may you be with those who uh, want to be moms and, and are not and be with single moms. And Lord, we thank you for the gifts you've given us. And Lord, may we uh, this morning look uh, at Solomon's search for more. And Lord, may we find that, that the true search for more will only be found when our life's in Christ and when our life's lived through Christ. And Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to uh, highlight a couple things about this text. The first thing that I want you to notice is the question for the search. The question for the search. In one way, he kind of asks the question, what profit has a man of all his labor? This, this word labor here means, uh, labor means here to, to like drop from exhaustion. Right? So it's just not your, your uh, Monday labor, like work eight hours, ten hours, whatever, and you're done. What's the point? This, this is the exhaustion of the labor. This is, this is the maxed out, I'm done, I'm finished. This is the labor in which he's, he's speaking of. It's to give everything to. He says, what profit has all of my labor, all of it, which in which he toils under the sun? And so Solomon is asking, what's the advantage, right? What, what's the profit from all that I have done, from all the work, from all the resources that I've exhausted? What's the point? What's the point of all of this? And this word profit means gain, but it speaks to surplus, Right? So, so it's not just what, what's the gain of it, but what's the surplus of it. In a way, it's like uh, once you retire and you go to, to retire and you pull out your retirement account, you look at it and says, what was the point of it all? Like wh- wh- where, where's the payout? What's the payout? That, that's kind of the approach that he's taken after, after he's reached towards the end. He's saying, what was the point of it all? What was the payout here? And he's asking the question. And in a way, he takes out a few boxes. Right? And, and he begins to, to go and he begins to grab some boxes in his life. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll unpack some specific boxes that he'll look into here in the next couple of chapters. But here he really dwells on what would be creation in nature and what would be human effort is what he's going to dwell on here. And he dwells on all these things. And, and in a way, he's, he's taking out some boxes. And he begins to, to open up the boxes in his life. He says, well, what's, the, what's the point? What advantage do I have from everything I've invested into, everything that I've done? What's the payout? And what he's finding is he's finding it, it empty. He's finding that, that a man who had it all, who appeared to have everything put together, is actually empty. And so he's pointing us to the question of what's the payout. But remember his mindset. We said it a couple weeks ago. Solomon's mindset was uh, living like a man who doesn't uh, act and live like God actively matters in his life. He knows there's a God. He built a temple for God, but he doesn't live in a way that God actively matters. And so he fills his life with that which could consume him. And the Bible says he's coming up empty. He's coming up. He's opening out some boxes, and, and they're empty. Why? Because without an internal perspective, all is vanity. Without an eternal focus, yes, nothing truly adds up nothing truly matters and then he says this word under the sun 
This word, this word under the sun is, uh, I said this last time uh, whenever I candidated, but this, this word under the sun is uh, repeated around 29 times throughout this book. And what this word is, is the metonymy. And what that, that is, is essentially when you use a specific word, to, when you use a generic word to describe something specific, specific. Okay, and so, so for example, it's like when you say at work, I have a mountain of work on my desk. Uh, you don't literally have a mountain on your desk, but you're saying, hey, I have a lot to do, right? We say this is going to be a breeze. Like, like, well, where are you outside? What kind of breeze? No, what you're saying is this is going to be simple. It, it's a metonymy. You're, you're describing something specific. And in this way, Solomon uses this phrase, under the sun, to describe the world without God in it. The world apart from God, and he's saying this is what it is. And he will tell us that when we search for more under the sun, when we fill our box under the sun with things that we desire apart from God, it will not fill you. That's what he's saying. It's not going to add up. It's not going to pay out. And he says, hey, I've lived this. He's showing us. He says, I'm living this. I'm opening the boxes right now, and, and I'm telling you, it won't add up. It's empty. There's just simply no payout. And it appears like a man who had it all is finding himself in a struggle to find what it was worth. And we know Solomon would fill his box with what we could only dream of. He had what, what we could only dream of. The Bible says that he fills his box with, with women, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Think of the Mother's Day gifts he has to get. Think of that he filled his, his boxes with possessions. The, the Bible will say he had uh, 40,000 stalls for his horses, uh, for his chariots. 12,000 horsemen. He had possessions for days. He had possessions that we could only dream of. And he fills it. He fills his life. He fills his boxes. He had buildings upon buildings. He was a great builder. He built a temple for the Lord. He had pools for his vineyards. He had it all and he filled his box. He had so much money and resources that he alone crashed the silver and gold market because of how much that he possessed. He filled it, and he filled it. Here in a couple weeks, I'll, we'll give an illustration of some parties that he threw and just the massive parties that Solomon threw for the people. And he had it all, but he's, he's opening the box, and it appears to be empty. And all that he's collected, he's finding what he thought would be full was actually not because of his perspective. And, and you know a sad reality about Solomon is that we know him for what he had, but he would leave it all to his son Rehoboam and who, who would lose it all in just a short time. Because Rehoboam would take control and he would take poor counsel. And First Chronicles 10:11 will say he was cruel to those that his father punished. And guess what? Rehoboam would go on to lose wealth. He would go on to lose position. He would go on to lose power. And Solomon's reign would be a mere memory but would be gone because he was empty. And so he says, what's the profit? There, there's no payout. And so he's heavy. Have you ever felt that heaviness before? Like something that you focus so much of your time on just didn't pay out in the way that you expected, right? And you get to this place where you feel burnt out, frustrated and empty because what you've dwelt on does not add up. Like that relationship that you've invested time and time and time on just doesn't fill you in the way. It wasn't what you expected. That dream job of yours that you thought, this is the moment. I'm going to climb the ladder. 
just doesn't reach fulfillment. That hobby, he said, this is it. This is the hobby. This is, this is my thing. Just doesn't do justice. That bank account, you say, if I get to this point, man, I'm going to do some things for God. Or if I get now, well, I need to get to this point. And it's just never quite big enough because it never truly reaches fulfillment. And then you get to the place where you begin to, to open that which you've stored and you find out that it doesn't fill you. And Solomon gives us a spoiler alert. It won't fill you because it wasn't supposed to. It will never fill us. And so he has the wrong perspective. What's the profit? What's he showing us? He's showing us practically if, if we live for this pursuit for the next thing, it'll leave you empty. If you live for this pursuit, for the next adventure, for the next hobby, for the next thing to fill you, you will not be full. I want you to notice, before we move to the next point, uh, the form of God that Solomon uses here. There's lots of names for God. They're fascinating. Study out the names of God. Uh, you'll just be amazed at the power of our God. But the name that Solomon uses over 40 times here in this text is the word Elohim which talks to the bigness of God. It talks to the strength and the power of God, the, the creation factor of God, which is a fascinating uh, factor of God. But Solomon only uses that form of God. He only views God as, as strength and big. He doesn't use forms of God like Jehovah to talk about the, the sacrificial, gracious covenant relationship that God wants to have with Men. And so we see the error of his question simply in the perspective that he had of God because he views God as, as big and, and untouchable, but God is showing him, God, God's whole point is to reveal himself to man, and Solomon missed it. And so he asked the question, but he had the wrong perspective because the second thing that he misses, he misses the cycle of the search. He had the question of for the search, and then we see the cycle of the search, and he missed this point two, the Bible will continue in verse four and say this, one generation passes away and another generation comes. It says, what's the gain? What's the gain? Right? What's the question? What's the gain? And here, verse four through eight tells us his answer for what's the point. It says, one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south and then it turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again into its circuits and all the rivers run into the sea. And yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. Eye is not satisfied with seeing nor ear filled with hearing. What's he illustrating? He's illustrating complete and total brokenness. Complete and, and total emptiness, which brings him to the conclusion, what's it matter? Well, what, what's it matter? That's essentially the question that he's asking here. What is the point? What does it matter? And Solomon looks at everything under the sun, and he sees uh, uh, monotonous cycles. And he sees two specific cycles, which we've already mentioned, the cycle of creation and nature and the cycle of human effort. And he dwells on these for a minute. So the first one is the cycle of crea creation and nature because it says one generation passes away, uh-oh, and another generation comes up. But the earth remains. What's he saying? We live and we die. And another one takes our place. The sun goes up and the sun goes down. You can bank on it happening. 
The wind, it goes and it returns again into its circuits. Uh, Jesus will say in John 3 that the wind blows where it wants, where, where it wits. The, 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 everything just kind of takes place. The waters, the rain, go into the rivers, and the rivers will flow into the sea, and it's just the, the cycle and the laws of evaporation. Solomon knew, and he, he sees all this monotonousness of life, and he says, what's it matter? This is heavy. Solomon looks out, and he sees life, and he sees death. He sees the cycle of nature and the cycle of creation. And he's, he's not fearful in this moment, but he's questioning the purpose. Why am I here? Why does it actually matter? And what's essentially hitting Solomon here is just the repetition of life. What's hitting him the most is that he is fragile and creation is not. That he, man, is fragile and creation is not. You know, they say that, well, they don't say, statistics say that there's a, a little over 10,000 babies born in America each day. Around 300,000 born in the world each day. But there's around 8,000 deaths in America each day. 10,000 births, 8,000 deaths. That's heavy. That, that, that's fascinating. A little, a little side note, the Bible will, or statistics will also say that there's about 125,000 abortions a day in the world. And just with everything going around, I just want to make an encouragement to you to pray uh, for the life of the unborn. Because the Bible will, will tell us that uh, the sanctity of life is valued by God. And Psalm 139 will tell us that, that life begins at conception. And so uh, I want to make a claim to, hey, let's stand for life. Let's, let's pray for life. Let's pray for uh, the unborn children. But the point is this. Solomon looks out and he sees people live, even in America, 10,000 born each day, 8,000 die each day. That Solomon looks out and he sees this cycle, he sees this process, and he sees that he's replaceable. That, that, that creation will remain and he will not. And he brings himself to a heavy conclusion. And the reality is that life is fragile. Life is, life is fragile. And Solomon sees it and he realizes that everything he lived for wouldn't keep up with the monotony of life. And he would one day be forgotten. Because he says, one generation passes and another one comes. What's he saying? Man is not what they think they are. Solomon gets to this point where he's like, I am not who I thought I was. I am not irreplaceable. I am not alpha dog. I will one day fall. And someone once said this, if you look at life in this lens that Solomon has, a man seems to be uh, the biggest failure in God's universe because we're only here for a short time. Because trees last for a generation. Rocks are still present that Christ would have walked on, but man is fragile. And Solomon is heavy because we're not who we think we are because the Bible will continue. It says the earth remains. Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains. We are not who we think we are. We are, we are temporary. Solomon saying, what's the point? But remember his approach. Someone who doesn't actively dwell uh, and live for God. And so he's missing it. Uh, his writing, someone, I like what Alexander McLaren said. He says this, Solomon looks out at humanity. And he looks out at creation. And he sees on one hand the world is full of births. But on the other, the world is full of deaths. And that coffins and cradles seem to be the main furniture of the world. 
And that is a heavy factor. And so he, he sees what appears to be the monotony of life and he's questioning what's the point. What does it even matter? But understand that Solomon missed that our God is king above the sun. He is, he is king over the sun. In fact, the Bible will say that creation itself glorifies the God. Jesus will say when he's told to silence the crowd, hey, if I silence them, even the rocks will cry out. And Solomon missed that Psalm 19 says it this way, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. That, that in a way, God's just showing off. Like even the skies can show us that there is reason to live. There is a God that we can serve. Psalm 95 will say it this way, the Lord is a great God and a great king above all other gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and in the heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his and he made it and he formed it out of dry ground. What's it saying? That creation itself speaks to the existence of God. That the power, the, the nature the, the uniqueness of our world uh, signals that, hey, there is a God that deserves glory. And Solomon missed it. Solomon missed it because Solomon missed how the cycles of creation echoes God's glory. And so he's pushed back into a state of hesitation because he missed the, that God controls, that God sustains. And even in creation itself, God wants to use that to point us directly to him. But he missed it because he's overwhelmed by what he could fill up in his own box. He missed it. And so verse 4 through 7 will tell us of, of elemental things. Creation, uh, and it stays, I don't. Generations come and generations go. You know, I worked in student ministries for almost 10 years before uh, coming here to Village, and uh, you saw these cycles. I'm sure if you've been at work, uh, your job for a long period of time, you see these cycles too, and you see these endless repetitive, repetitive cycles that we have, and here at Student Ministries, every year, I'd have junior hires come up, scared, anxious, and excited. I'd have seniors leave, scared, anxious, and excited, and uh, it, was, it was always the same, and they always had one common link together. This is new for them, right? And it was new for them, but it was not, in fact, new. For me, it's, it's been a process of 10 years watching this, but even before me, I went through this cycle. And hey, what is it? It's a cycle that's already been, but it's new to us, and we think it's uh, what it is, and so we live in that cycle, and we miss the perspective, and Solomon did too, but the second perspective cycle that he sees is this, the cycle of human effort, because the Bible will say all things are full of labor, man can even express it, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing, one person put it this way, so why bother, so why bother, if, if, if all things are full of labor and I can't even express it, if my eye is never satisfied, why bother? If all I have to do is go to work just to go home, to prepare to go to work again, to work for 45 years and go put in my card and retire and get my pension and pay off my house and then one day die, why does it even matter? But he's missing the perspective. If all I have to do is do for people and then I get replaced and be forgotten, why does it matter? And Solomon observes and he says, we work, we see, we hear, but we are not full. We seek to attain, but we cannot be filled. He says, all things are full of labor. 
man can express it. And it seems like he's frustrated that he can't attain satisfaction. And someone who had it all is frustrated at the end of his life because he's not satisfied. He's not fulfilled in his life. And some will try to escape it like Solomon did and just grab what he could control and stuff it in a box. But that's exactly what leaves him empty in the end. Because what's the Bible say? The eye's not satisfied. Meaning you will not be satisfied under the sun apart from God. Why? Because there's always going to be something buying your time, buying your energy, buying your effort, and buying your heart. I remember whenever I got my first iPhone. I was, it was an iPhone 3. I, I think they're up to like 13 now. iPhone 3. And I was so excited. I just was going into college and I got an iPhone 3. But guess what happened? As soon as I get the iPhone 3, the same week, the iPhone 4 comes out. And all of a sudden, you're not satisfied. Because now all your friends have the iPhone 4, and you're stuck with the iPhone 3, retro style, right? You're not satisfied. Why? The reality is, this life, you will not exhaust the exploration of this life, but it will never fill you. And that's what Solomon's trying to get, to get into our heads here. You won't exhaust the, the, the need to, the, the thrive for more, but it will never fill you. And so Solomon's saying simply, you will not be satisfied under the sun. And when you grab that which you seek to attain, once you have it into your hand, you'll get to this place where you realize that you didn't even want it in the first place because it does not satisfy. And Ecclesiastes will show us that Solomon is coming to grips with reality that what he has here abides here when he's gone. That the sun will eventually go back to where it came. The, the winds and the waters will return to its circuits. And so will we one day return to that whence we came. And he's showing us the brunt reality that you may, you may enjoy this life for a while. And you may take some things and stuff it in your box. But anything apart from God will leave you high and dry and will leave you empty. Because nothing truly satisfies apart from Christ. And he's showing you that perspective. And the wisest man has enslaved himself with a cycle, and he's coming to grips that it wasn't worth it. I've lived for the wrong motives. I lost my family. My son's a bum. My wife's are worshiping other gods. My nation's crumbling because I've lived for what I could feel, and I'm actually empty. That's why he said that which has been is that which will be, and that which is done is that which will be done. Why? Because there's no nothing new under the sun. What's it mean? It may be new for you, but it's a cycle that's already been. And you're just getting entrapped back into that process that takes your eyes off of Christ. Moody once wrote it this way. If it's new, not true. And if it's true, not new. And there's a reality of that. That nothing is new under the sun. This phrase isn't necessarily uh, emphasizing that Solomon doesn't believe there's a God, but he's emphasizing the reality that he's lost priority. He's lost purpose. He, he's off-kiltered in his thinking, and his mindset was heavy because things were no longer in his control. And so now he's stuck with what happens next because I can't control it. And so he's a little heavy, so he's a little frustrated because he was king, 
but he lived for power, and one day that power would be gone. He was wise, but he lived for dominance, and, and one day his nation will crumble. He was blessed, but he lived for ungodly women, and that would cause his nation to divide and nation to crumble, his family to, to fall apart. And he's realizing that he missed it, and the only thing that he could take with him under the sun with the life that he lived was a rock with his name on it. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Because you can't take that which you have apart from God. And I want you to understand this morning that there's been entire civilizations who have been forgotten. You think of the Hittites in the Bible. They're known as the lost superpower of the Bible. This nation who once provided cedar and horses for Israel. Once were great friends of Abraham in Genesis faced some conflict with Assyria and essentially vanished from the history books until recently discovered in the mid-1800s in ruins. Just forgotten. What's it show us? Nothing under the sun is forever. So why do we live like it lasts? Why do we live like our day is the only thing that matters? Because nothing nothing under the sun is forever. And there's two essential phrases Uh, Two essential things that I want you to get from that phrase, nothing under the sun. Because this phrase, first of all, shows us the extent of the problem. That when we search for more under the sun, we will never find it. And so if there's no God, it's true, nothing matters. If God is in our focus, it's true, nothing matters. But there's also opportunity. It shows us the extent of the problem, but it shows us opportunity because we can change where we're looking. Because to to have this viewpoint of under the sun means you're looking from an earthly perspective, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're an architect or you're a construction worker or if you're a Democrat or Republican or if you're poor or if you're rich. In an earthly perspective, uh, you're all looking from the same viewpoint, but there's a different perspective that we can have. Because the Bible says if we're in Christ, we have a God who's above the sun, who created and sustains the sun. And so we don't have to take an earthly perspective and under the sun perspective because we are now in Christ. The Bible tells us that since we're in Christ, we are new creatures. We have a new nature. We have a new foundation. The Bible says that in Christ, we have a new name in Revelations, that we have a new family in Ephesians. In 2 Corinthians, it says all things are become new because why? We're in Christ. And so we can take on a new uh, view. And so Ecclesiastes will show us that we need to simply change where we're looking. You just need to change your, your outlook. If everything's heavy, if all is vanity, change where you're focusing. This approach is a game changer because, first of all, the uh, above-the-sun approach gives you hope. Why? Because you can be in Christ. And if you're saved today, that should be the greatest hope that you've ever had, that because of the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, you have hope in Christ, and that should change things. That should should in itself change how you look, because you have hope, but he also, in Christ, gives you perspective. Why? Because, Because Christ is in you, Christ can now live through you, and it should change the, the everything in your life, it should change the way in which you live. And so you're not as fixated on what I can shove in my box, but how Christ can live through me. Because it's about Christ in me, and it's about Christ through me. But Solomon missed it because the view he was taking, and the last thing is, this will be quick, is the conclusion of this search. We find the question, we find the, uh, 
cycle and now the conclusion. Verse 10 says this, is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. And it's already been in ancient times before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. I want you to notice uh, two words real quick. The first one is ancient times. That's a Hebrew word simply for ages. And it simply means this, that which has been done before us, meaning in our presence, has been done in old times, in ancient times, in ages. It's a cycle that's already been. He says there's no new thing. This is not said in a general sense, but it's said in a sense that there's no new thing that will come out that will truly fill you. It's a specific sense. It's, it's not done in a, a, a general sense, but in a sense that there's no uh, new source of happiness ever. Go ahead, look. Go ahead, try. Solomon, fill it. But you'll find out it's empty because there's nothing new under the sun. There's no sense. It's only found in Christ. And so he says, is there anything new? No. No. Nothing new. Let me ask, who won the MVP of the NFL in 1997? No. Nobody remembers that. Except for him, whoever that was. Some may know, okay. Let me ask, 10 arguments ago with your spouse, what was it about? If you know, you need to come to my office. You need some help. But no, no, you don't, you don't know. Three weeks ago on Tuesday, what did you eat for dinner? You don't, you don't know. Maybe some do, but you, you don't know. Why? You know, the reality is what we do will be forgotten. And I know that's heavy to think of, but it's not about us. It's about Christ in us and Christ through us. But the question is, why do we rely so heavily and why do we focus so heavily on what we have to do in our problems that we miss Christ in us and we miss Christ through us? Because Solomon missed it. And there's one exception to there's no new thing that Ecclesiastes will say. Because after he writes this, there is one new thing that comes, and that's Christ. And he offers us new life in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new because of Jesus. And if you're saved today, let me ask you, why are you satisfied living in the monotony of a selfish life? Why does it matter? Well, why the arguments matter? Why, why does the frustrations matter? What matters is Christ in you and Christ living through you. But why do you let this life overwhelm you? But if you don't know Christ, I want you to understand life is crazy. Life is heavy. Life has pain. Life is frustrating. In life, the Bible would depict it as empty. Apart from God, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. That means you cannot be filled with this world. You can fill your box up to here, but in the end, it'll be empty because life won't fill you. The wages of sin is death, but there's a gift, Jesus. Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus rose, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says if, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Why? Because of Jesus. What's that mean? It means that you are empty, but you can be filled because of Christ. And what you have here can abide here, and what you, what you, your focus, uh, it's not about having everything you ever wanted. That's not why we serve him. 
but it's about having everything that you need. That's why we serve Jesus. And so if you don't know Christ today, I'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can come to know Jesus and how you can be spiritually filled and a filling that only remains found in a relationship with Christ. But what's the payout? And we're done. The conclusion is, hey, there is none under the sun. But Solomon had the wrong perspective, right? He had the wrong motive. The world, uh, the world's motive was the wrong approach. And the right approach is simply this. God changed my outlook. So God, you can fill me. Solomon was selfish. I got this. The right perspective is, Lord, change me and fill me. Christ in me, Christ through me. Because this world would fail Solomon and it'll fail you. The power would fail Solomon and it'll fail you. The, the glory and dominance would fail Solomon and it'll fail you. Because there's nothing new under the sun. This, uh, the under the sun approach will leave you high, but in the end it'll leave you empty. But there's hope that's only found in Jesus. And so if you know him, may we live not to fill our box, but may we live Christ in me and Christ through me and allow him to fill our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. And Lord, it's a heavy book. It's, it's a frustrating book at times because what we value years and years of our life on, we essentially say, Lord, what's the point? And Lord, may we come to an understanding this morning that it doesn't matter what our occupation is. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how many kids we have. But it does matter if we live our lives in Christ and we've allowed Christ to shine through us. And Lord, no matter if we golf this week, no matter if we work this week, no matter if we just enjoy the fruits of generations uh, and years and years of labor that we've already accomplished, Lord, I pray that we will live in a mindset of, Lord, uh, work through me and, Lord, uh, cleanse me. Lord, if someone's here and they don't know you, Lord, may they come to know you. And, Lord, because there's nothing better than a relationship with Christ. Lord, we thank you for mothers. And, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that mothers have, have given to children all across the world, all over the years. But Lord, specifically in this time, Lord, we pray that your spirit would fill this place, that your spirit would cultivate uh, a life-changing disciples to go with the mindset of Lord, be in me, and Lord, work through me. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Will you stand with us as we close out our service with Jesus?